Well, it is good to be home. I am so thankful to you, Dr. Still, for inviting me to be with you all today at Truett Seminary. This will always be a treasured place in my heart. I'm seeing just now some professors I haven't seen in a while. Thank you for your sacrifice and how you have poured into me personally and how you continue to do so. We know that all the labor we do in the name of the Lord is never in vain, and his word never returns void. So me being back here at Truett, my goodness, my temptation is to dig into a text deeply with you. I would love it. But I must admit, Dr. Still personally requested that I share in his words my pilgrimage story. That should not surprise you. And I'm delighted to do so. You know, so often we downplay the importance of testimony, forgetting about the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, who through her story inspired a revival amongst an entire community of Samaritans. As the scriptures say that many believed in Jesus because of her word, and they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed two days, and many more believed in him at that point. And they came and told her, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know he is truly the savior of the world. My prayer is that a similar thing happens today, that as I get the chance to share some of my story with you, that you would hear so much more of his. It's the whole reason I'm here. The whole reason I came from Dallas to Waco today was not just to be at Truett Seminary, but to declare the hope of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our King, our very reason for being. There's nobody else like him. There never has been. There never will be. As we sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We're saying there's no one else like you. Praise him that we would know him like that. So my story really starts with before I was born. Quickly, my parents uh, were married. They had my older brother, me, and my younger brother. But before they had the three of us, they miscarried. And they went to the doctor, and you know they lost a child they were never able to hold. And the doctor tells my mom, she's never going to be able to have kids. So now he tells her, you're never going to be able to hold a newborn baby of your own. Mom and dad are driving home from the doctor. They pull off on the side of the road with their broken hearts and they cry out to God in the middle of their brokenness. And they saw, say, God, we always knew that children were a gift from you, but now we're assured of it. And if you choose to give us the gift of children, we promise to entrust their lives completely to you. They're not ours, but yours. And so every time mom and dad found out they were expecting all three of us, each time they prayed to God, and they said, God, we remember the promise. They're yours and not ours. I'm fully convinced that the prayers of my parents before I was born and every day since is why not only do all three of us kids walk with Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but have been affirmed to serve in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so um, I was born, grew up in New Mexico in the beginning, moved around a couple of times before we landed in a town near the Four Corners, near uh, 
Colorado in the mountains. It was beautiful. And when I was seven years old, there was a pastor who came to town and he preached every night for a whole week. And the whole community would go to a convention center to listen to him. And y'all, it was the 90s. I was seven. Full House was all the rage. So I had a chapter book that kept me entertained while he was preaching with Michelle Tanner on the cover. But towards the end of the service, every night I would notice that a lot of people in their seats, like me, not everyone, but a lot of people would get up and go to the front. And y'all, I loved being on stage. I loved being in our children's musicals at the church. And so I would beg my parents and plead, can I go, can I go? And every night they would say no. And of course, like any child would, I asked why. And they said, because you don't understand why they're going. Thank God they didn't stop there. Growing up, my parents would always tuck me in, read me a bedtime story, and pray with me. I thank God for that. And our story for that week was a book they had gotten when my older brother Kyle was interested in what it meant to walk with Jesus. And so this was a children's story. I don't remember the name, but in story form created for children, it talked about what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus. My parents said that's why those people were going to the front. And every night we would read the story, and every night I would ask lots of questions I've never been at. A loss for questions, if you know me. By the end of the week, I hadn't asked all my questions, but I knew enough to know that I didn't want to go another day not knowing Christ Jesus as my Savior, as my King, and as my greatest love. And I don't remember precisely what I prayed, but it was something along the lines of, Jesus, I love you. You know that I love you, but I want to be yours forever. And that's the night that God called me his daughter best day of my life. He's never left me ever since, and he never will. I'm so thankful. Mom and dad grew up in Missouri, but they moved to New Mexico as young marrieds. My family was always 16 hours away, and so my first exposure to church was a family. Mom and dad would pray before every move. They'd visit a church. God in his kindness, their first church they would visit would be the one they would plant themselves at. And on top of that, God would always make a way for them to meet people their first Sunday in town who became their very best friends. They were family. We grew up doing potlucks every Sunday. I thank God for that exposure to church because we are the family of God that knows no bounds. It's beautiful. We're better together. So I grew up in the church. We moved to a suburb of Dallas, McKinney, when I just finished fourth grade, and it was a huge culture shock, quite different from the desert. And uh, went through middle school as a good girl, went to church all the time. And towards the end of eighth grade, I had the chance to spend spring break in Germany with our youth ministry. We partnered with local churches around the world to support their ministry initiatives. And I remember coming back from Germany and a lot of my classmates had gone to Padre and gotten a tan. And I couldn't imagine spending a spring break that way when I could be joining in the work of God around the world, meeting people I would never meet otherwise, sharing with them to me the only thing worth sharing. And that's the hope of Jesus. And so every spring break and summer since, I would follow God around the world with our youth ministry, serving the local church, and in time, growing in love for God and his people and the way he lived his life. It's not a time, it's not a place, it's our life. When people ask me to define mission, I say the name Jesus. Look at the way that he lived, as should we. So God was growing my heart for him and people and the nations. Went through high school, had a couple of messy relationships. Why do I tell you that? Because I didn't learn my lesson the first time. Had to go through it worse the second. He ended up cheating. This teenage, broken-hearted girl who felt betrayed, couldn't focus on my studies. I couldn't even keep food down. And so what did I do? 
I opened up the Word of God. This book that had previously seemed so big and irrelevant all of a sudden became so living and relevant and healing. It was nourishing. Because this book of black and white, by the power of the Holy Spirit, made a way for me to meet somebody behind these words of black and white. You see, I fell in love with Jesus when I was seven, but I fell in love with this word when I was 17, and I wouldn't have it any other way. There's no turning back. Once you've tasted and seen all that Christ has to offer, nothing compares. Yes, the enemy will continue to tempt us to believe that's not true, but everything else always comes up short. There is no one and nothing like the Lord our God. I pray you hear that this morning. So I was wrapping up high school, and the last four months of my senior year was wrestling with God's call to ministry. My older brother Kyle at that point had already surrendered to God's call in his life, and I didn't want to. My dream was to write for Teen Vogue. I now know I would not enjoy that. But at the time, that was the dream. God, what are you doing? Thank God I had an incredible youth pastor, Grant Bird, who knew exactly what God was doing, but didn't tell me straight out. He let the Holy Spirit do the talking, and he led me right here. And he told me, God's word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And here I wanted to know precisely what God had had in mind for my entire future. And my youth pastor tells me, that's not how lanterns work. If you're walking down a dark path, it shows you precisely where you are and a glimpse of where you're going. But you've got to keep walking to see where you're heading. That's how it is with God. That's how it is with the call on your life. He is our light. His word, living and written, is our light. He is our guide. We're called to walk with him. Come and follow me. It's never changed, and it never will. We get off course when we forget that call, when we forget to listen and respond. Come and follow me. Don't follow the plans you have. Many are the plans in our hearts. But sure is his way. Walk in his way. So finally, I surrendered a week after I graduated high school. I said, Jesus, I gave you my life when I was seven, but these are my dreams, my future, my ambitions. They're yours. I trust you. I went to Texas A&M University and College Station in their business school, knowing I was going to be serving in ministry. Business school wasn't the best fit, but I grew in my faith like crazy. As I had all these empty journals I'd gotten from high school graduation and didn't know what to do with them, I started writing out my prayers for the first time, and I treasure those years I got to spend so much time in conversation with God in that way. So my faith grew like crazy. I was plugged into church, leading a Bible study for college students, and behind the scenes, God was telling me that I needed to develop my writing skills for his glory, and my time at Texas A&M was coming to a close. It's a place I loved. That's how he led me here, to Baylor. I studied business journalism, got a BBA, but all my major courses were in journalism. I got a paid job writing for the campus newspaper, the Baylor Lariat, before I was even a student here. Before that, I spent the summers in between college interning for different youth ministries and loving it. But I remember that summer before I transferred here as a junior, I was about to go with crew to serve on an eight-week summer project in China. And God said, it's not the right time. One of the first two articles I was assigned to write before I was even a student here in Baylor was about this group of 40 students who had come from China to study here. See, I was ready to go to China, and God brought China to me. They became some of my closest friends. God knows. 
So I'm in my first semester at Baylor. I'm writing an article, and one of my interviews ends up being this woman, Brenda Sanders. Some of you may know her. She's the director of Go Now Missions with Texas Baptists, and she offices in Arlington. I'm interviewing her for an article, and on the phone she says, I prayed for divine appointments from God this morning. I really think you're one. She tells me about this opportunity to serve as a global writer for the International Mission Board in Johannesburg, South Africa the following spring. And turns out she was in Waco. I met her on campus the next day. By the end of the week, had applied, within three weeks was commissioned to serve, had found someone to sublease my apartment that spring and summer and moved to Johannesburg, getting to advocate and raise awareness for the work of God across the continent of Africa, praying that believers around the world would jump in and participate in God's work through praying, through giving, and through going. And so I came back, and it was quite the whirlwind, catching up, having changed majors, colleges, and countries. I remember spring of my senior year, I was in 24 hours. It was quite a lot, but we survived. I finished up school and I'm having lunch with my mentor in my hometown, McKinney, and my favorite restaurant had too long of a wait. So we went a few doors down to this place called Sauce on the Square, a lo local Italian restaurant I actually didn't like that much, but they said they were hiring. And my mentor says, you should apply. And I think, I just went to college. I've never been a waitress, why would I do this? Nevertheless, I did. Four interviews later, I come on, it's like the mafia. But when I was hired, I was the only believer on staff, the only one just blocks down from my home church. And I knew it's no accident that I'm here. And God began to teach me how to see hearts before sin, how to be set apart but not secluded. I couldn't go more than 10 minutes without praying for the souls of my coworkers as he was growing this love in me for him and his people still. And I remember it was between a double shift, I was still in my uniform that I interviewed at a local church in McKinney, the third student ministry I would work for in McKinney. They were looking to add a woman to their youth ministry team. It was there that I had the joy of preaching regularly with our students and adult leaders alike. And not only that, getting to write accompanying small group discussion material. Those things I still love so much today. The man in the background that called to the nations was still there. As growing up serving God around the world, it shouldn't surprise you that I imagine that's where I would be. That I would be right there on the front lines living the rest of my life overseas. And so I was commissioned as a journeyman with the International Mission Board. And before I went to Amsterdam, I had two months of training in Virginia. And I encountered the text that Clayton so kindly read earlier. In my study Bible, that was the New Living Translation. See, I had grown up knowing 1 Corinthians 10, 31, when Paul says, whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. But something about 33 struck me when he says, it's, I don't just do what's best for me. I do what's best for others so that many may be saved. Do you hear it? I don't just do what's best for me. I do what's best for others so that many may be saved. And here I was fixing to spend two years in Amsterdam and I asked God, God, if I live the rest of my life overseas, I pray people will be saved. But will it be many? I started to examine the way that he had knit me together, these experiences and passions and so much in communication. 
in writing and preaching in relationships that's English. My heart is for the nations, but my voice is here locally, I think. And so, man, I was starting to be convinced maybe the most effective way to live my life for the glory of God, because that's why I'm breathing, is actually living here in the States. But this chapter in Amsterdam matters. I'm still supposed to go. And so I did. And that season in Amsterdam is to date the biggest storm I've ever gone through. But I praise God for it. Because, you know, we talk about God as our refuge. I never needed to know him like that until then. And now that I know him as my refuge, I don't want to know him as anything less. Because when we go through storms, and we go through them, don't you know, God is with us and we come out believing in him, trusting him, loving him, relying on him so much more than when we came in. Isn't it amazing how he works that way? No storm can compare to the great love of our father. So I was in a really unhealthy team situation. Loved what I was doing in Amsterdam. I was a university ministry catalyst. It's the coolest job title I've ever had. <laughs> and I would share the gospel with college students on a near daily basis. And the overwhelming response was, I've never heard that before. No one's ever shared that with me. Now, if you pay attention in your Baptist identity class, you know Baptist got our start in Amsterdam. What's happened? So when people say that Western Europe is dark and dry spiritually, I say, listen, I've lived there and I have met so many young believers who will tell me that here in the richest, one of the richest countries of the world where almost anything goes, I've tasted and seen all that life has to offer. And I can tell you, Jesus is better. If that's not fertile soil for revival, I don't know what is. I thank God for my time in Amsterdam to give me a glimpse of what it seems we're walking into here. Now, nearly 10 years later. So if you're familiar with Journeyman, it's a two-year term. I only did about a year. In the world's eyes, I didn't complete the term. My team situation was so unhealthy, I had to get out. I came back more broken than ever. Started working at Starbucks. And listen, you can take a girl out of ministry, but you can't take ministry out of girl. My favorite thing about Starbucks was getting to share about Jesus with coworkers and guests alike. And it's pretty therapeutic making a few lattes every day. So in the summer, I had returned and I went to serve with my home church's youth camp. I had grown up going and serving and just got back in the rhythm. I ran into my eighth grade geometry teacher, Brian Easley, Coach Easley. And he tells me that he and his wife are helping pioneer a campus ministry at Texas A&M University with the Center for Mission Mobilization. And they want me to join their team. I said no three times because it was support-based. I wasn't up for that. That wasn't something I wanted to do. And then I realized maybe that's something God wants me to do. It's funny how he works that way. So I got on board, raised support, ended up loving it. He totally provided, went to Texas A&M, had an apartment across the street from campus, hosted multiple Bible studies for college girls a week, one-on-one -on -one discipleship. Y'all, I was eating it up. And I know that God was using me as I helped college students discover the most strategic way that could complete the Great Commission. How has God uniquely created you to live in such a way that echoes to the ends of the earth? It's not for a select few. It's for all of us who have said yes to Christ Jesus. We're saved and we're sent. It's why we're still here. But somehow behind the scenes, Dr. Still, God was calling me here. Man, it made complete sense. So many people had told me to go to seminary along the way. 
You say you're called to ministry, go to seminary. Well, easy for you to say, I thought. I never told anyone. (laughs) I was willing to go, but only if God led me and he hadn't. I was never a big fan of school prior to seminary. And then I got here in 2017, and I realized I had no idea what I was missing. This is still my favorite season to date. Soak it up, friends. For all it's worth, it goes quick. And God has so much more for you here besides academics. I hope you've picked up on that. So much more. And so it's while I was here that God began to give me back my voice that I had lost in Amsterdam in a team where I didn't have one. And I thank God for my experience at Truett being one where I wasn't just accepted as a woman in ministry or affirmed in my calling, but I was no less than celebrated by every single student and faculty member as God's daughter, obeying his call on my life. Praise God for a place that just encouraged me to walk in obedience, to walk by faith, to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Friends, I don't know what God has called you to, but if you keep your eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith, I promise you that one day he's gonna say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Is your life gonna look like you thought? Absolutely not, but it's gonna be better. Why? It is almost daily I ask God to remind me that he not only wants what's best for me, he knows what's best for me, and he always, always, always provides what's best for me. The enemy is relentless to convince me otherwise. I continue to believe that God is good, he is faithful, he is kind, and he is worthy of following all the days of my life. So it's while I was here that my covenant group leader, Kenneth, McNeil, pastor of Willow Grove Baptist Church, invited me to preach at his church one Sunday for the first time. See, I, prior to that, didn't realize that what I was doing with youth ministries and college students was also preaching. I thought I was just speaking. And so I went and fell in love with that church, didn't want to leave, and grew more and more confident in admitting, God, you've made me for this. Like, you haven't even just called me to this. You've actually made me for this. And do you know the same is true for you? That God has uniquely created you for such a time as this to do something that only you can do. Isn't that fascinating? We don't live hundreds of years ago or hundreds of years from now. You live right now for this time. You were made for it. You were made for him. And man, I don't know. I was ashamed thinking, I don't know. I've never seen this. I don't know if this is okay. I don't know if I can say so. Are people going to think I just want attention? What is all of that? Eyes on me. But eyes on him, I say, Lord Jesus, you made me. And you didn't make accidents. So you put all this together, the things that keep me awake at night, the things that bring me to life. Why is that? It's for you and your people. See, when I read the scriptures beginning to end, this overarching theme that resounds is that God loves to rescue his people. God loves to rescue his people. And God loves to use his people to do so. And he has uniquely created you to play a part in that. Walk in that. Walk in him. So COVID hit spring break of 2020. I remember saying goodbyes for a week. Didn't realize that was goodbye to Truett and life in Waco as I knew it. I finished up summer of 2020 with a mentoring and ministry class, and my mentor was uh, Pastor Jeff Warren, senior pastor at Park City's Baptist Church, who was actually my pastor when my family moved to McKinney, ages 10 to 20. 
And by the end of the summer, I graduated without a ceremony, as all 2020 grads know. And Park Cities didn't want me to leave, but they couldn't afford to bring me on full-time middle of the budget year during COVID. So they created a role for me, part-time temporary contract through the end of the year. Discipleship Resource Director. And I had the joy of getting to write sermon response guides every single week. Previously, there were no resources to accompany sermons. And I was convinced that it's almost an injustice to our hearers as preachers to get to spend so much time with God and his word to proclaim it and then just Holy Spirit take it and he will. But can't we do so much more if we're really here to equip the saints for ministry? And so every single Thursday since 2020, I've written a sermon response guide for people to use in small group discussion and quiet times. I had the joy of writing a daily Advent devotional guide for the whole church that I'm still doing. I can remember sitting in a class here with a classmate who was pastoring a church in Riesel, and he said he was taking his guys through Priscilla Shire's Armor of God Bible study. P.S. If you need a Bible study, it's a great one. He said there's no equivalent for men. I wish women would write resources for the whole church, and I thanked him after class because I was just thinking college girls, and maybe God was wanting me to do a little bit more. So now I'm living that. What he proclaimed in that class, I'm over two years into writing material for the whole church. I'm writing my third Advent devotional guide. It's such a gift, such a gift to get to know God through his word and, and teach others what he shows us. You realize everything he shows us, it's not just for you. It's for others, everything he pours into us, he desires to pour out through us. Don't let it stop with us. So January of 21, last year, their minister to women moved and it created capacity for me to come on full time. So I'm now their minister to women and discipleship resource director. Y'all, I never would have asked to be a minister to women. I had my own prejudices, thinking it was all about events and entertainment, and my heart is equipping and witness. And my pastor said, that's why we hired you. <laughs> so I've had the joy of getting to create with God what he already had in mind. I'm just joining in a brand new ministry for women of all ages called Woven. It's rooted in discipleship. As we have small groups of women that meet in homes across Dallas every week, and we dig into a woman's story from the Bible every single month, and women learn her story, and they're sent out sharing it in the same way that the gospel is going forth, that scripture is going forth in places around the world where it's not yet written. I thank God for my experience to bring it to today, and I'm seeing women of all ages find great joy in being sent out as witnesses. I'm seeing God, seeing God bring transformation and reconciliation through stories of the Bible, not just the gospel, but it is a story, don't you know? The power of salvation for all who believe. But he has so many stories through his word, and our women are discovering that her story is our story and how we can better live into God's greater story together. And I have the joy of serving on our preaching team, as Dr. Still said. Last May, I got to preach for the first time, and it's a privilege to get to be the first woman on our church's preaching team in history. It's not about me. But I do believe that all of us collectively, our diverse backgrounds, represent God better together. And it is important, I thank God for my Truett education, to hear the perspectives of us in our diversity empowered with the Holy Spirit who reveals the word of God to us, who leads us into all truth. It's important for us to all bring our voices to the table. So I thank God for that chance. I'm preaching this Sunday. I'd welcome your prayers. So the last two years, honestly, have been a gift, and they've also been a challenge. 
I don't want to be a drama queen, but last Christmas I got COVID and to such an extent, it actually almost killed me. I'm not joking, and I still haven't fully recovered. There's been multiple challenges in the last couple of years in Dallas, but there's also been so much beauty. But I'm on this journey. The title of today's message is So That, and hope you've caught it in a couple of ways. One, that every single step that we take matters. It matters. It has purpose. So many of my steps feel like they don't make sense. Sometimes I feel like God has completely forgotten me, neglected me, abandoned me, but he hasn't. Even the steps that seem illogical, even the ones that are painful, all come together in this glorious story that he is writing that's never about us, it's always about him, and isn't that a better story anyway? So I pray that you know in your step, you're right here in Truett, in this little in-between season, figuring out who you are, what motivates you and what you've been made for, getting ready to be sent out. This step matters. And so will everyone after it. And so has everyone before this. Stop trying to put together the perfect life for yourself. I'm trying to preach to myself in that. Do you hear it? Hold fast to Jesus. Keep in step with the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of your flesh. You will not live a lesser life if you hold fast to the author and perfecter of faith and of life. So that... But I also hear, pray that you hear, I don't just do what's best for me, I do what's best for others so that many may be saved. I've been sitting in the first few chapters of Exodus lately. You know, Exodus begins coming out of Genesis 50 where Joseph says to his brothers in verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many. Then God brings Moses to save the lives of many, his people. God sends Jesus to save the lives of all. God sends his apostle Paul, who I quoted, who wants to not just do what's best for him, but what's best for others so that many may be saved. And God has now sent you and me to continue this age-old story that never gets old of rescue. God loves to rescue his people. God loves to use his people to do so. How is God sending you to save the lives of many? I know it's not you. It's the spirit of God in you. But God in his kindness invites us to participate. It's his plan. And he's not going back on it. He's patiently waiting for us to jump in and join him. So my prayer is that as if you've heard my story, you hear so much more of his. My prayer is that you're encouraged to go share your story, not even this week, today. Why wait to tomorrow? It's not guaranteed. Who can you share your story with today that they might better understand God? And you will too. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for who you are. Father, Son, and Spirit, there's no one else like you. While we were living as your enemies, you called us friends. While we were still sinners, Lord Jesus, you died for us so that we might live with you forever. I thank you for your Holy Spirit who indwells us, who leads us into all truth, who illuminates your word of truth, and who binds us together as brothers and sisters in a family today. God, I thank you for the fact that you chose for us to know you, that you in your grace opened our eyes to see you 
And now that we do, Lord Jesus, will we spend our whole lives beholding you and inviting others to come and see, just as that woman did in John 4. May we be marked by that same conviction and delight to come and see this man, Jesus. Lord Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are weighed down by their studies and so many distractions right now. Will you awaken in them even in this moment a renewed love for you, a renewed love for your word, and a renewed love for your people? Would they be marked by it? May they be marked by you, by great love that knows no bounds. By this, everyone will know that we are your disciples, by how we love one another. May it be true of us. Amen.